What's happening, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing new out here on the Outer Rim. Still waiting for January 4th and the Bad Batch. I was hoping this time because of the holidays, time would fly by. But it seems like it is standing still. Have you ever really noticed how long 24 hours is? It's a long time. So every day seems so long. But anyway, let's see what's going on in the news this week. And this is some sad news. Two Star Wars legends have passed away in the last couple of weeks. ILM and Star Wars sculptor Richard Miller and Star Wars actor Gary Frickin, Gary who played an Ewok in Return of the Jedi and was also a little person in Happy Days, has passed away on November 2nd. He contracted COVID several weeks earlier and catching COVID at his age of 70 was just too much for his body to take. Then Richard Miller, the sculptor who made the most iconic Star Wars costume in the history of the franchise, the industrial light and magic sculpture who worked on the Star Wars original trilogy and created Princess Leia's famous gold bikini has also passed away. The golden bikini is seen in the third Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi, and was worn by Carrie Fisher as Leia while she was in servitude to the villain Jabba the Hutt. The sculpted golden bikini has remained one of the defining Star Wars costumes and has been endlessly cosplayed and recreated in the decades since. Now, Richard Miller's close colleague and friend, Fran H. Davis, confirmed the news that Miller had died. In a statement to Instagram, Davis said, I am heartbroken to hear my friend, colleague, and incredibly talented sculptor, Richard Miller, had passed away. I am grateful to have the opportunity to work, laugh, and be grumpy at times with him. He will be missed. This news is a reminder that while Star Wars franchise is very much alive, it is still one of the oldest media franchises around. The first Star Wars movie is about a half a century old, so many of the actors and behind-the-scenes crew who worked on the movie have since passed away. Star Wars may live in infamy as one of the greatest franchises ever, but it is the hard work of these two individuals and so many others that help bring it to life. They will be missed, and we will honor them forever. Like I said, this was some sad news, and it makes me feel old. So let's talk about something a little more uplifting. I wanted to thank everyone for going to the website and participating in the Star Wars Impossible Quiz. I know some of y'all are Googling the answers to these questions, but it's okay, they are hard. And I would like to thank everyone for their wonderful emails. I spent all day Sunday reading emails, and I enjoyed all the feedback and the great things you guys had to say about the show. It filled my heart with so much joy, and I am glad that I can offer so many people a break from real life for the time that the show is on. I would like to say that I get to read all the emails we got, but that would be impossible. We get thousands of emails every day, but I do try to read a lot of them. Oh, the mid-season show will be in two weeks. It will come out right after Christmas on the 27th. So make sure that you're getting your email sent in so you can be a part of the giveaway. Or you can now message us on the Swaycast website. Just go to the contact page and you can message us there. Okay, let's get back to Brotherhood, because when we left off last week, Obi-Wan and Rogue were in the cantina, drinking and talking morals and ethics. Okay, more like how many people Rogue had killed. So let's just see what's going on now. What role you have? You're now tuned in to Hawkins Rays. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Asajj Ventress. Keita proved himself eager to listen to anything Ventress had to say, which she understood. All of his pain and rage bubbled under the surface, searching for some type of release. It was fortunate for him that she had come along, 
fortunate that she had encountered Kitar and his more prickly partner when she did. Fortunate that Kitar found her shortly after their shift. She'd listened, of course, walking with him, sitting with him, letting the young man vent his fury about Katasura, about the lives lost, about his suspicions about the Republic. He didn't prove to be an expert at science, though, letting his emotions make illogical conclusions about explosives and further conspiracies. Such diatribes were as irritating as they were amusing. But she stayed quiet, using the mere act of silent acceptance to earn his trust. But now she would take action, turn the tables. He probably wouldn't even realize it. They stepped through the mists of Cato Nemoidia, a deliberate journey from where she landed her ship to the bunker, something she'd set up even before she announced her presence to the local government. It wasn't the most direct or efficient way, but Kitar simply followed her, mostly in silence, as he took in the devastation of Katasura's fallen neighborhood. Ventress made sure to point out when they passed something that might specifically needle Kitar's rage, asking questions about a crush museum or the Marcus left where bodies had been discovered, the whole journey taking several times longer than it should have. That was all by design. I understand your concerns and your anger, she said. I wanted to. They stopped the most unexpected sight in front of her. What's this place? He asked. Ventress squinted. A quick assessment of what had happened. And then she saw it. One little giveaway that prompted the corner of her lip to curl up. Kenobi had visited, hadn't he? The Confederacy set me up with equipment, she said. I've stored it down here. They approached the building, each step revealing further details under the full moonlight. Kitar knelt down, then reached to the ground. He held up small tufts of fur, then pointed at the splashes of blood on the bunker before drawing his pistol. From behind the structure, a corgi beast waddled out, still chewing on a piece of meat, its large ears forward. The wildlife, Kitar said. It must have hunted its prey here. He gestured to the massive dent in the front door as they got closer. Looks like he collided with the door when they fought. The creature locked eyes with Ventress. Though she held a hand out, each step taken with cautious approach while it sniffed the air. It swallowed its meat, then moved tentatively closer to her. Ventress reached out through the force, tapping into a rarely used sense in her, a simple communication to tell creatures that she was safe. Large brown eyes the size of fists looked her way, then softened. Ventress removed her hood, then scratched the beast on the side of its nose, fingers entangled in whiskers. I understand the drive to survive, she said, before looking around to scan the area. Other than hints of further wildlife, she didn't detect any presences. It is not its fault. Here. She reached into a belt pouch. Enjoy some rations. Kitar caught up to them, 
though he kept several meters distance. Their environment has been disturbed by the crash. I imagine it was quite disruptive. Ventress paused, then stepped over to the broken door. Curious, she said, her finger tracing the area where a distinct circular puncture showed the scars of burning and melting. Clever, Kenobi. What's that? Kitar asked. Oh, she said. Nothing. I am simply marveling at the strength of these beasts. Ventress petted the creature once more, and it turned, bounding off into the night, only a few stray tufts of fur trailing behind. It appears this bunker is no longer safe from the local wildlife. Come, I could use your help. They climbed through the opening, which offered just enough space for a single person. Kitar snapped on the light from his shoulder, and Ventress assessed the situation. Most of it looked intact, though there wasn't much there to begin with. The comm system still appeared capable of transmitting, and the case in the corner appeared sealed. A firm tug on the lid showed the same. What was missing, though, was the data pad. She looked around the comm station, checked the corners, but the light equipment in the bunker ended the search quickly. She'd planned on giving the information to Kitar, a means of pushing him over the edge he precariously clung to. Her plans would have to change. But her goal? That remained. In fact, this might prove to be even more useful in pushing Kitar. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. I want you to consider this. What if there was a way to ensure that Cato Nemoidia never supported the Republic again? Ventress asked, walking over to the secured case in the corner. What would that be worth? Almost anything, Kitar said in a quick response. Almost anything? Ventress tilted her chin up and gave a shrug. Or anything. It depends on the risk. Kitar crossed his arms, the motion partially blocking the shoulder lamp. My people have suffered greatly. There it was. That heralded Neymordian risk assessment. Such an inherent trait seemed beneficial in most situations. However, when passions ran high, all it took was a few choice words to change things by one percent, possibly two. Sometimes that was all that was necessary. Let us consider that. Of all the Neimordians in the galaxy, is this their greatest injustice? Or is it the long history of quiet prejudice they have faced? Ventress looked him in the eye, then gave the thought several seconds to sink in. Individuals died with Katasura. Your people have faced a different battle long before, all across the galaxy, 
people like... She stepped forward, now only an arm's length between them. Your parents? Kitar blinked several times before his eyes fell to the floor. You could get justice for Katasura. Or you might think bigger than that. Think about the entire planet. The Trade Federation. Ventress turned her back to Kitar, one arm up. Every Namoidian in the galaxy. She waited, his silence telling her that her words dug in deep. Now was the perfect time. I have something to show you, she said, stepping over to the locked case on the floor. A biometric scanner glowed to life, a single green line running over her palm before the locking mechanism whirred and clicked. She lifted the lid, and the illumination from Kitar's shoulder lamp cast shadows as he came closer to it. He looked inside, a sharp gasp indicating he realized what it contained. Oh, don't worry. These explosives have nothing to do with the tragedy of the Katasura bombing, I assure you of that. This was the truth, though Ventress wondered how deep her claws were in him at this point. He may have believed anything she said at this point, truth or lie. She leaned over behind him, a direct strength to her next words. What this does offer is the opportunity to make sure... Katasura is never forgotten. I'll, he said, a tremble rippling through his body, something Ventress detected despite his guard armor. I don't understand. A betrayal of this magnitude needs someone to stand up for what is right. She let him have a moment, the power of mere words exploding into possibilities on display in Kitar's expression. Consider this a tool to do just that. Do what? Make a statement. Of some sort. Ventress already had a suggestion in mind. But she drew her words out with intention. As if this were a sudden burst of inspiration. Perhaps the Republic Consulate Office in the East Wing of the Capitol Complex. It is a single-person room that is rarely occupied. Did you consider why it is always empty? Rosbohan Frisk? The regional diplomat? She covers multiple systems. She's elsewhere most of the time. Doesn't that frustrate you? The Republic cares so little that the assigned diplomat simply visits for a day as a formality, rather than a true sense of duty. She nodded. A gesture to suggest confidence in the idea, but really the move had a much more calculated purpose. It gave Kitar permission to consider it. A single explosive, she continued, at that office. A statement without risk. A bomb. Kitar slowed, as if dozens of thoughts were encapsulated in that single word. I don't know. I need to think about it. Of course. His hesitation marked her victory. Because it showed consideration rather than outright rejection. 
all she needed to do was give him the proper space and motivation to turn that into something more. You must calculate what you're willing to sacrifice. In the meantime, we should finish here and move this somewhere secure from the local wildlife. She glanced over her shoulder, then back at Kitar. We wouldn't want them to get hurt. Besides, there's something on the surface I need to find. What's that? He asked, still staring at the explosive material in the case. You said you find that Jedi to be honest, honorable, even though you disagree with him. He seems that way, yes. Rogue trusts him, and I trust her. In the dark, Ventress smiled a grin so large that she would only allow it given that she stood behind Kitar. Beneath her cloak, her hands instinctively reached for the lightsaber hilts that hung by her hips, weapons that would soon come into play. But not here. For now, they'd stay hidden, obscured by draped fabric. Let's find out what he really brought with him to Cato Neimoidia, shall we? Okay, this part is basically how Ventress manipulates Kitar, feeling the hatred he already has for the Republic. But Kenobi had messed up her plans. He had taken the data pad showing that the Republic was responsible. She had been planning to give it to Kitar, and that would have sent him over the edge. Now she has to change her plan. So she tells him to blow up Ross Blumenfist's office. Someone is gone most of the time, but that would make a statement. It would send the Nymordians to the side of the Separatists. Dooku has trained Ventress well. She is pure evil, and the way that she's using Kitar's hatred for the Republic is pure genius. Having someone else do the dirty work, keeping her out of the hot seat if he is caught, and if he gets away, she could put the blame on Obi-Wan. Brilliant plan. Overall, I like this part. Even though it didn't have any action, we learn a little bit about Ventress and how her mind works, how she uses cunning and deceit like a Sith should. Remember back to the Bane books? This is what he said would beat the Jedi, and that's where this part ends. So let's get to the quote of this week, and it comes to us from Aristotle. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellent then is not an act, but a habit. I want you to think about that for a moment. Habits are extremely important in order to create a life that you want. Your habits will determine how productive you are, and also your mental and emotional state. If you have good habits and think positive thoughts, it will help you to obtain your goals and dreams. And if you have good habits overall, you will be more productive in life. All of these are hidden points from the quote. Here's one very important thing to understand about habits. Successful people are not necessarily smarter than others. They have simply mastered the art of creating more good habits. Creating good habits is about doing the right thing on a consistent basis. The better habits you create, the further you will go in being successful. One of the best habits I started doing was looking at myself in the mirror and saying my mantra. I do it every day. I will never fail because I refuse to quit. That is a saying that has got me through some rough spots. Like when I found out that I had multiple sclerosis. I wanted to give up, just quit. That one single habit that I started years ago, me telling myself that I am not a quitter, keeps me pushing on. And I will keep going until I am physically unable to go on. A small habit has such a great power. One of the richest individuals I know, back when he was completely broke, started a habit of putting a dollar in a five gallon jug. Every day he did this, and just one dollar a day. When that jug got filled, he would just get another jug. He has never took this money back out of these jugs. He has been doing this for years. 
I don't know how many jugs he has by now, but after he got rich, he kept doing it. And he has a secured room in his mansion that he had built to store all of these jugs. The crazy thing is he is super rich now and he still does it, but he does it because it became a habit. And he believes if he stops, he will stop making money. But the point I'm trying to make is creating good habits will help you become successful. Okay, I'm done. Join us next week for part 27 of Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Swaycast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>